Hi there. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Arthritis Life Podcast, where we share arthritis life stories and tips for thriving with autoimmune arthritis. My name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis beyond joint pain. I've been living with rheumatoid arthritis for 20 years, and I'm also a mom, occupational therapist, video creator, support group leader, and I created the Room to Thrive self-management program. I am so excited to help you live a more empowered life with arthritis. We're going to cover everything from kitchen life hacks to navigating the healthcare system to coping with friends who just don't get it. Seriously, no topic is going to be off limits on this podcast. My interviewees and I share our honest stories of how chronic illness affects our lives. This includes discussions about mental health, sex, shame, pregnancy, body image, advocacy, self-acceptance, and so much more. You'll hear stories from all ends of the spectrum, from a person who's living in Medicaid remission from psoriatic arthritis to somebody living with severe mobility restrictions and severe pain from rheumatoid arthritis. You'll hear how people manage their conditions in different ways, like medications, mindfulness, movement, social support, work accommodations, and so much more. You'll also hear from rheumatology experts who just get it. We'll dive deep into the science behind chronic pain and what's the latest evidence for lifestyle changes that can help you thrive with arthritis, including exercise, sleep, nutrition, stress reduction, and more. This is your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. All right. I'm so excited today to have Nikita Williams here. She's actually one of the people I've, I met in real life who's on this podcast. But most people <laughs> on the podcast I've only met, you know, virtually. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. You're so right, Cheryl. Like I didn't even think about it. <laughs> yeah, but- uh, yeah, yeah, we've kind of met in, in person. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, back in May in New York. So can you just let the audience know real quick, you know, just where do you live and what is your relationship to chronic illness? Yeah, I am located in Atlanta, Georgia. It is hot here right now. And I have multiple chronic illnesses. I have endometriosis, fibromyalgia, Hashimoto's, um, some other comorbidities modalities. I don't even, that's not even the word, many other things that, that are, are, um, a part of this journey. I have had, I have arthritis in my knees. I used to be a volleyball player back in the day and I've had two surgeries on my knee, on my right knee. And so they like to give me trouble, Mm -hmm. but I love them. So, oh, man. yeah, well, and that's, you know, a lot of us, you mentioned having multiple diagnoses. A lot of us are um, what one of the people out of my support group called autoimmune collectors or chronic <laughs> illness collectors, you know, you're yeah. like, got the full set. You've got yeah. endometriosis and fibro and, you know, that's, that's a lot to manage. And so um, I know we could do a full episode, you know, <laughs> on your diagnosis journey, but I always like to hear how people like got diagnosed um, just so that other people who are listening might understand maybe if they start feeling, especially like endometriosis, there's so few, there's so little understood about that. I never heard of it, honestly, until yeah. I started being on social media. And then fibromyalgia is misunderstood often too. So can you share a little bit about your diagnosis journey? 
Yeah, sure. I think most of us never heard of endometriosis. Like when our doctor said it and the, we we're like, what, what, what is that? Like, <laughs> what is that? Um, for me, it was probably, it was the first year of me being married. I got diagnosed. So right after my husband and I got married, literally the week after our honeymoon, I was in the hospital, like multiple times for several months. My husband was like, have you ever been this sick before? And I was like, I haven't like I had the worst periods but that was quote unquote what they said was normal they put me on the pill when I was like 16 because it was normal um but my cycles were like intensified the moment I got married I was saying I'm like anyone who is like who has chosen to stay you know uh not sexually active until they got married you will have a rude awakening. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So it's something that I don't think we hear a lot of conversation about how your body does change when you do start becoming sexually active. Mm -hmm. And I definitely experienced that myself. And I think that's literally what probably threw me more into more of my endometriosis, um, like critical hospital stays where periods were just horrible pain not just during my cycle but like the whole month I felt like I used to joke around I'm like I only have like a good weekend like one weekend out of the month I'm wow. good I was 22 um and so it took about I want to say it took about two years for me to like officially get diagnosed but I honestly say this is, it took, technically it took me longer because I had these type of symptoms when I was a teenager. So um, when I got that diagnosis shortly after I got my fibromyalgia di diagnosed, because, okay, we have endo, but then I was also having this widespread all over pain that was just excruciating. Um, but what I will say about my experience with getting diagnosed is that prior to getting married, I had I had gone through a very emotionally trauma experience. And I definitely think that had a lot to do with the fibromyalgia and also the endometriosis, because I felt like my body probably felt like it could finally kind of release. I'm like a, I'm a slow burner, if that makes sense. Like I can get through the hard stuff. You will act like everything is fine. Nikita is fine. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, I am sick as a dog. <laughs> it's like that thing, like after finals week, everyone, you know, it's like you held it together. And then when you let your body relax is when you get sick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I definitely experienced that. That's something I, I I'm sure we'll talk about later, but now I'm very much more of like in the moment processor because I, I cannot handle that kind of like hurricane of life pain happening all at the same time. So um, anyone who is experiencing heavy cycles that you have to call out of work, you are at home, um, you can't walk, you feel pain down your spine and your toes, like you literally cannot move, you probably have endometriosis. And it's something to ask your doctor about because they still and it's been 15 plus years have not, it's not one of the first things you hear about when you go complaining and worried about those type of things. It's still not the first topic of conversation when you walk to the doctor's office. Yes. And I, I just realized we didn't define endometriosis mm. for people who might not know. 
So it's when the tissue that's in your normally in your uterus grows outside of it. Is that right? Right. And so it's a whole system, like to me, it's a whole systematic body problem. It should be classified as an autoimmune disease. It really should be. But for a lot of doctors, they will tell you that this is a reproductive issue. And it's not necessarily true for most women. It affects everything. I've had a hysterectomy because at one point in my journey, I just felt like that was the best decision. It did help some, but I still experience pain because of endometriosis, because it wasn't just contained in my uterus. So it is a whole body systematic issue that, um, it really needs, we need more research. We need more information about this. Yeah. It's, I've heard of cases where I know this is a little bit more rare, but where the, the tissue grows like around even the colon or it's, yeah, it's not just like you mentioned, affecting the like pelvic kind of. Oh yeah. I don't think it's, I actually don't think it's not uncommon. I just think it's underdiagnosed. Right. That's thank yeah. you for that distinction. Yeah. That makes, yeah. There's so many conditions. Like I think chronic pain is often under, you know, <laughs> under addressed, but endometriosis as well, because at first, if it presents with, you know, pelvic pain and lots of peer kind of PMS symptoms, it's so easy for doctors to just say, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's normal, you know? Yes. So, yeah. Thank you for bringing awareness to that. I know it's, it's not, um, like a diagnosis that I have, you know, seen a ton of, but I know that it's like, it's, it's so like you said, I'm just, I'm just repeating what we said. It's underdiagnosed. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that you mentioned that there was a psychological trauma that kind of preceded everything. And that's so common for all chronic illnesses, where if you experience something really mm-hmm. any sort of major stress, mm-hmm. right. can trigger. Um, and so I love, like, before we chatted, you mentioned that you really love talking about like the mind body connection. And that's something that I love nerding out about as well. So yeah. like, what do you, um, what, what has been helpful for you? Like, what, what have you learned about the mind body connection? That's like really resonated with you or helped you on your multiple managing multiple chronic illnesses journey. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> no, it is. I know it's a tongue twister. <laughs> um, for me, the mind body connection is something that for me in the cultural standpoint, wasn't anything that we really talked about. Right. And as I've gone through this journey of learning more about my body and accepting my body and loving my body, appreciating that even though we have these days where like we were talking before we jumped on, like we're we're exhausted and it's not doing what we're normally used to doing. It really is a way for our body to communicate with us. And if we are having this like kind of conflicting negative self-talk when it comes to our body, I found that it makes things way worse. It makes it so much harder to recover. It makes it so much harder to even be clear on how your body is actually trying to communicate with you. And I don't think I realized that until I started, until I, I always like to say, it wasn't until I was like at my, what I consider my weakest, darkest place. And I was desperate. (laughs) I was desperate for something else to show me something 
else. And when I stepped into that world of learning a little bit more about the body and what is possible, I realized how much of a, a healing journey I needed to have with my mind and my thoughts and uh, with my body. Because for a very long time, I used to walk around and it's like, I just hate my body. I hate this. I hate that. This is out to get me. Like I had this very um, antagonistic relationship between my body and what I was thinking about my body. And I can say today that the biggest shifts have been from a change, a change of how I view my body and the conversations I have about it. Wow. And the worst of flare ups. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, like, this is putting it to the test right now because I know you're having a bit of a flare up today. So I appreciate that you're, no. that you're here talking about all this. And I just, my first question, follow up question is like, did you learn, was there a, a series of like books or podcasts or things, or did you go to therapy? Like, how did you delve into this topic? So interesting. It started with essential oils. I know every time I say this, I always like kind of like giggle because people think like, what are you talking about essential oils? Mm-hmm. Um, it was a day I was having like I'm going to go to the hospital kind of day. And I had just, a friend had just reached out to me and she was telling me it's possible to, you know, overcome and not be at the hospital every three months while you have, you know, every, you know, every other month, three times a month. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And she's like, I'm going to send you these oils that are going to help you. And I was like, girl, I am on some serious pain medicine and that is not helping me, but you're going to bring me some oils. That's cute. That is really cute. Okay. That's really cute. So, um, we're getting ready to go. I have a go bag at that time. I used to have a go bag for the hospital because that's all how often we would go. We just have a go bag. And I told my husband, I was like, just wait, I'm going to try this oil stuff that my friend gave me, um, who is an aromatherapist. She's amazing. She's a holistic nutrition. She's all these things. She's also an endometriosis warrior. So I had some basis that she kind of knew what she was talking about, but I didn't believe her. And the essential oils, I put them on and I had this relief of like just discomfort in my body, but my mind was like calm. And I had never experienced a calm mind like that during a flare up that I'm about to go to a hospital. Like I never, ever could feel like I had that, right? And I was like, I called her and I was like, dude, first of all, what's in this stuff? <laughs> and second of all, um, what is happening? Like, what did happen? And she's like, well, and this is this is why I went on to get my own certification in um, essential oils and aromatherapy is like the body and mind connection to pain and how we feel has a huge effect on how we feel what we feel. And I started researching and reading and like, um, she's a coach. So I started working with her more on a coach one-to-one and then just realizing I needed to not just have a healing journey with my body. I need to have it with my mind. And that changed everything. Wow. And that's, I mean, I love that you were a skeptic because I think it does a lot of times with these kind of, um, alternative medicine type practices or um, complementary practices, people will say, well, it's the, it's the expectancy effect. Like where if you expect something to work or you expect it to find relief, that in and of itself can be therapeutic. But the fact that you were skeptical 
and it did provide this relief. It's, it's really fascinating. I mean, like, I guess I tend to, I try to consider, I try to practice what I call it. Like, I'm a, kind of like an open-minded skeptic. Like I try to <laughs> be a little skeptical, but also I don't think being completely skeptical is really helpful for me long-term, right? Because I want to be open-minded enough to be like, you know, there are so many things, there's so much we don't know about science. There's so much we don't know about um, the human brain and, you know, on why would I deny myself the chance of something, especially if it's not extremely time or money intensive that might help me feel better. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's my own kind of journey. But um, I do remember in, in occupational therapy school, actually, my master's in OT, we had a class on, on like kind of a, the all the different alternative therapies you know or complementary therapies like everything from you know from aromatherapy to um massage and and it was interesting that when they they i remember they talked about and i'm sorry if i butcher this because this was like over 10 years ago but about how there's um these little tiny tiny little the the little openings of the skull behind mm-hmm. in, your, in your nose and the right behind there it's like your brain like your hippocampus which is like where your memory that's why like when I smell cinnamon and peppermint I think of Christmas and it is it's tied to memory it's tied to emotion and the amygdala like you said so anyway um yeah I I I love it sorry I just totally like uh barged in with my story but but so you (laughs) so you were like on the verge of going to the hospital and then you had this like experience do you know what the oils were now did she tell oh yeah Definitely. And I know what they are. These are the ones that I now use on a day-to-day basis. I swap them out. I I recommend them to my clients as, because now I have my certification in aromatherapy. So like, they're totally a huge part of my everyday life at this point. But, but I I say this to say, because you were asking about the mind-body connection, what introduced it, like this, this particular situation, like opened my mind to this. But what I realized and the reason why I was able to earlier say like, oh, I had all of this trauma that I experienced before, all of those little links of like how pain happened, how I felt pain, what I thought about pain, how I felt about my body was all wrapped up in a whole lot of trauma. And I would not have known that until I stepped into this like weird, like I call this like this weird place of learning about my body, essential oils, EFT became something I incorporate, which is emotional freedom technique, tapping, which is kind of like acupuncture with your fingers. Um, And then I stepped into this world of coaching, which was more about personal development and a lot of personal development, as we all know, is around your mindset. So Uh I really just kind of fell into this world. And I, I don't like to say fell in. I definitely believe that I was led to this world that I'm in now to be whole, more whole. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I, I had an episode many, many, uh, I was gonna say many episodes ago, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, I had a um, episode where one of the people who was sharing their story talked about EFT emotional freedom technique and, and tapping, but it's been a while since um, I refreshed I've refreshed the audience on it. So can you explain what does that entail? Yeah. So tapping to me and everyone will give you a different kind of definition of tapping, but I like to share mine. To me, it's like a release of negative or stuck energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as we, as you learn more about the mind and body connection, 
it is literally things we have not processed. We have not released. We have never said out loud. We have never, um, we have kept them silent. Right. And we all grew up thinking and being told, I know I did. I feel like a lot of my clients is like this thought of like, don't speak the negative out loud. Mm. Like that's horrible. Right. But what if the negative is your truth? Mm-hmm. Like, what if the thing that you experience or the thing that you feel is your truth and you are telling your body and your mind not to speak it? Right. That would be very frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> And we're storing that as energy in our body. And so EFT is like going through different meridian points around your body that are very much in tune and helping your body to release. And it's very scientific, lots of science behind it. But when you're doing the tapping, you literally will yawn, you will cry, you will burp, you'll do all these weird things that Mm -hmm. is just showing that your body is now releasing all of that stored energy that's not really serving you right? And that's what I love about it. It also really helps with how you associate to pain. So when I'm doing like recently, I've been having lots of headaches. Oh my gosh. We don't know what's going on. So that's a whole nother story and lots of headaches. And so one of the things it's really hard for me to do tapping because you're literally tapping on your head and your eyes, Mm -hmm. but there's another space you can tap, which is like between your collarbone and your chest. And that tapping point has been so helpful to calm your nervous system really what we're doing as well as releasing negative energy we're also regulating our nervous system we're telling our nervous system we're okay we're safe like Mm -hmm. yes you might be in pain right now and it might feel like horrible but if it was really really horrible you probably at the hospital and even if you're at the hospital you're still like you're you're still in a relative sense of control we can calm right and our nervous system is meant to be in and out of the fear and flight and rest and digest and we are all of us, not just chronic illness warriors, but especially chronic illness warriors, we're constantly in that fear flight space. Yeah. And EFT helps you to flow. It just mm-hmm. helps you to flow. I love it. I found um, a link on the Kaiser Permanente website, believe it or not, <laughs> that actually has a little video. And it, um, it also has a just really simple instruction. Uh, I know that sometimes uh, like a, a trained like counselor or therapist will lead people through EFT, but it is something that people might be able to just try on their own and see if it seems it resonates with them. Yeah. There's lots of, lots of videos out there. I do it with my clients as well as a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, it's powerful. It's surprisingly how powerful it's it really is. Again, another thing that you're like, I'm tapping on my body and this is supposed to feel good. And you're like, yes, it feels great. Well, and, and, um, it's like, I, I love, I I'm all about acceptance. Like that's like my big kind of, um, kind of been a big shift in my, I, I would say like my, I don't know, outlook and mindset on life. Like before I used to be like, I was like a, I had the athlete mindset of like, we're going to fight this. We're going to fight this and like, make it go away. And then I'll feel better as opposed to being like, this is what it is. I accept it. And like, yeah, I can do things that support my quality of life, but I can also know that I can live with this. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting that this involves like saying, you said like, you know, it's like, you're not sugarcoating it. You're not saying I don't have this or the pain isn't real. You say I have pain and then you follow it up as I understand mm-hmm. with like a statement of like self-acceptance yeah. or 
Yeah. 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 And I think, and I, I don't know about any, um, about all your listeners, but I feel like personally, there is this something I didn't even realize was there's this shame. There's this, a level of shame around living and being like, quote unquote, a burden because, you know, all of these things you have to do, all of these accommodations you have to ask for or seek or all of these different kinds of things. And so many times, how many times have our well-meaning friends said, you know, like, oh, don't say that about like, no, 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 you're not a burden. No, 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 no. You're don't, don't, you know, that kind of well-intentioned. But if we truly feel that and say, I still love and accept myself, what more empowering place will you go from there versus being like, I don't have shame. I don't need to feel this way when we actually do feel that way, you know? I love that. Like I, I accept that I feel like a burden right now and I know that I'm still worthy and that, you know, yeah, it's so different than being like, let me convince myself from like a cognitive behavior therapy therapy standpoint, here's like five reasons I'm not a burden. It's like, you can't (laughs) convince your mind when your mind has like, (laughs) when your mind feels a certain way, you can't think, what is it? There's a psychologist who said something really smart once. It was like, you can't, you can't think your way out of a problem that thinking you didn't get you into or something something like that it sounds yeah. like it makes sense <laughs> yeah I'm like wait was that a double negative you can't not think about a problem you can't yeah but but yeah I, I love it I love it and I think everyone's just you know I think I'm you know I know there's a lot of listeners that have never you know reached out to me so I'm not I, I but I do have an a mat a, a kind of person in my head that I think of listening to this as we record mm-hmm. you know these episodes and I think a lot of times they know the people listening are looking for just like examples like we all learn through stories and examples like how does you know Nikita thrive and how does she do this and then I could listen to you know another person and try to put compile we all are trying to kind of compile our own like coping toolboxes you know absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. it's powerful to hear other people's so it sounds like you started with the oils and then you learned about you know, the tapping and then learned about, um, coaching or you maybe received coaching or. Yeah, I received coaching. And then I went to go on to school to get certified and all those different kind of things so that I could become a coach. My friends will tell you that I've been a coach my whole life. I just didn't know that was a thing. (laughs) Well, and yeah. And so I think that that's, I would love to hear more about that. And one of the things that's, I think unique in your story is that you, um, you know, you have your own business, you know, mm-hmm. while managing your autoimmune disease and that in of itself is no small feat. And then you help mm-hmm. other people with, with chronic illnesses manage yeah. their, I mean, wow. So manage their business or, you know, you do business coaching and probably like, um, you know, all sorts like kind of holistic coaching. I was like, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, tell me more about all that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. I mean, this whole journey led me to doing the thing that I absolutely love. Like if it wasn't, it was, if it wasn't for a prayer that I prayed and was answered by my friend who also sent me the essential oils, who also happened to be a health coach. I knew of health coaches that totally makes sense. Right. We've for a very long time have heard of like health coaches, I think, but what are you talking about a business coach? I had a lot of experience in different corporate environments, also helping small businesses in different kinds of ways to grow their business marketing wise. I have had my different like kind of businesses, real estate, community events, all these kind of different kind of things. Um, but when I was going through all of my chronic illness stuff, like, like when I say all of my chronic illness stuff, I mean, like when I didn't know what I had, 
when I did know what I had, but I didn't know how to handle what I had, you know, that genre of time, um, I was like, there's no way I can work for anyone. And like, there was a point in my journey where literally like my coworkers would have to take me to the hospital and talk about embarrassing and talk about like, just traumatizing in, in, in its, in itself. I felt like I had lost all my power. So for a very long time, I was always looking like, okay, I need to do something um, online on my own, my own time, my own energy, whatever. And so I started off doing my business online as a digital marketer. So that means I was doing like website design and landing pages and Facebook ads when Facebook ads were like a penny, they're not that anymore. Um, And all that kind of stuff, because I could take all of the things that I had learned from my previous jobs and things like that. And one day I was working with my health coach and she asked me, Nikita, why why aren't you a business coach? (laughs) And I was like, because I didn't get an MBA and I can't be like a consultant. Like that's not a thing. Like that's not my thing. She's like, you have helped many women already make thousands of dollars and you've helped companies make millions of dollars. So I don't understand why you can't be a business coach. And I was like, what in the world is this? Is she's talking about again, another thing, another thing I had no idea about. So I did research. I went into it and I thought, oh, then there must be other business coaches that have chronic illness. There must be. Like, this is like such a world, right? Mm -hmm. I could not find a coach. I could not find a coach that was like specifically helping. I I work with women, but helping anyone that it's quote unquote saying I have chronic illness and I have a business. I hadn't seen that. And I also felt like there's this um, disconnect with like business coaching advice that's so generalized about running a business, but doesn't it include like, what if you have a flare up? What if you're in the hospital? Mm-hmm. What if, you know, we were talking about this before, like what if in the middle of your week, your normal routine that you're normally used to with your body decides to flip? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. What do you do with all those different kinds of things? How do you market? How do you show up quote unquote consistently when you have a chronic illness that's like all over the place? No one was teaching that. I didn't know that I had to figure it out and I figured it out, but then I was like, there has to be more people who will want that kind of support. And so I started having my podcast, which is crafted to thrive. And I was asking converse and, you know, having conversations with folks about that. And it has just morphed into this business where I'm serving other women who are like, I don't know where to start because there's all of this advice that says I should do it this way, but I'm exhausted. So how do I do that? <laughs> right. And when you say, you know, starting businesses, you know, it could be, I, I'm, I let, let me know if this is wrong, but you know, it could be anything from like a, a small, like side hustle, mm-hmm. right. So people who want, which is so, uh, so many people with chronic illness want a side hustle because they want something that, I mean, because well, first of all, because having a chronic illness is expensive. Like, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no. it doesn't, I think when I first heard the term business coach, I was like, oh, well, that's probably for people who are like in like, I was thinking like executive business coaches, you know, for people who are like Microsoft VPs or something. I live in the Northwest or Microsoft land. Um, So, you know, no, it could be for just anyone who wants to, you know, start a, like again, a side hustle. And And I had a business coach who she she's an occupational therapist. So she's, mm. she understands chronic illness from that. She'd had some health issues as well, 
but she um, understood kind of my condition and, and was able to, fortunately, you know, her name is Melissa LaPointe. She was able to kind of, um, what's the word, adapt some of the generic yeah. advice to kind of say, okay, think about this, like plan A and plan B for if you're not feeling well, or like if I'm running like a, a you know, a support group program, instead of just saying it's, you know, 12 weeks, you can say it's 12 sessions over three to four months. And that gives me breathing room in case I have to cancel every schedule. If I get sick, I'm like, just all right. these little things you wouldn't think of, yeah. you know, so having somebody who's well-versed in chronic illness, ideally somebody who lives it every day, like yourself, you know, yeah. can be so helpful. Yeah. You're right, Cheryl. Like, so a lot of my clients are, I mean, I have a client right now. She's in college for her PhD and I can't think of it right now because brain fog is happening, but she, she, she's a holistic nutritionist. She's a Lyme warrior and, um, she it has an amazing like knowledge, but to run a business while also going through Lyme has its challenges, right. And all the protocols. And then I have clients that are photographers who are like, this is their side business. Some of them are like wanting to transition from their side, like from their quote unquote, real job into this full time. And they want support in that way. And that's scary. That's very scary for a transition, especially for chronic illness warriors to go from a full-time job where, you know, you're getting the expected quote unquote paycheck versus it's on you quote unquote. So there's a lot of mindset that happens around that, that specifically only because we have chronic illness. Like it's not right. like there's added stuff because of that. And I felt when I worked with coaches that didn't really talk about living with chronic illness and didn't really take into consideration what that was, it was so, so much harder for me to find success or so much harder for me to figure out how to do something versus now I have a, I have some coaches that have chronic illness and they openly talk about it, but no one is like, in the world, like if you were to look business coach for chronic illness, you might see like four of us. <laughs> right. So it's pretty amazing. I love it. I love helping um, because we are so multifaceted and talented. And it's, sometimes we just don't know how. We just don't know how to make what this side hustle or this business work for us. So true. And I, I read this great book. I don't know if you read it by Elizabeth Gilbert called mm -hmm. big magic creative living mm -hmm. beyond fear you read that yeah mm -hmm. and I love that the part where she talks about the permission slip how like and I'm so this way and and it or and it, at least my historically I was this way like waiting for the teacher's permission to do something right like mm -hmm. well oh I can't start a business like I don't have the permission slip like I don't <laughs> have the MBA like you said you know and then realizing like um you know through through my own being you know coached by Melissa and I'm listening to like some business coach podcasts too, like the gold digger podcast with yeah. Jenna Kutcher. She, you know, so many great podcasts out there and they're like, you know, you, you don't need the permission slip from the universe, you know, put yourself out there. And, and, and I think that one thing that, sorry, this is like a little bit of a tangent, but it relates is that, um, like my therapist pointed out to me once, she said, you know, your anxiety is, my anxiety was all a lot about the future. So some people tend to have a lot of anxiety about the past and like ruminate about what they should have done. Other people like me focus a lot. Like, what about this? What if this, what if that, what if, what if, what if, you know, my husband and I were joking, we had a plan of like, what if, you know, one of us breaks our ankle on the way to the Taylor Swift concert over. So you have all these plans <laughs> and, um, 
and and but then like so i'm thinking about like starting okay i'm going to start arthritis life i'm going to start a youtube channel and social media and a podcast but what if people don't like it what if what if they make trolling comments what if they think i'm stupid what if they say i'm ugly all those things actually have happened right like you must be pretty weak if you can't open a jar like the weird stuff you get on tiktok and then you realize guess oh my what gosh. Yeah, the anxiety is also about what could happen. And then reality is just some, something happens. Mm-hmm. It's not all, it's, so I, I'm contradicting myself. It's not all the bad things that could have happened. A lot of those things did happen, but a lot of them didn't too. So it's like, we have to just get started. If you have ever felt completely lost or utterly alone while trying to navigate real life with rheumatic disease, listen up, I am here for you. I created an educational program to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported and connected in a matter of weeks, and it's called Room to Thrive. After earning a master's in occupational therapy and completing hundreds of hours of additional training, I created a step-by-step guide to help you truly thrive with rheumatic disease. This is the only program I know of that's designed to improve quality of life for people living with inflammatory autoimmune forms of arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, Sjogren's disease, and more. During the self-paced lessons, you'll learn how to manage pain and fatigue, cope with stress, navigate relationships, and continue doing the things that matter to you and bring you joy. The goal is really to help you improve your quality of life and learn how to thrive with your rheumatic disease right now, rather than waiting for a distant day when it might be cured or healed. I really created the down-to-earth, practical, heartfelt resource I wish I had had when I was first diagnosed at age 20. If you want even more in-depth support, you can join the 12-week Room to Thrive virtual support group where you'll be surrounded by people who actually get what you're going through, people who will provide the encouragement, validation, and support that you deserve. Each group is expertly moderated, so you don't have to worry about the kind of misinformation that spreads like wildfire in the free-for-all social media groups. If you're on the fence, don't just take my word for it. Here's what Katie had to say in March 2023. I was lost and overwhelmed with my RA diagnosis. It felt overwhelming to know what to read, what to do, how to spend my energy trying to research on the internet. Room to Thrive did that for me. It's been like getting a crash course in my diagnosis along with a community who gets it. To see all the details, including the dates for the next support groups, go to the link in the show notes or bit.ly slash thrive room with a capital T in capital R. You can also just email me anytime at info at myarthritislife.net. And don't delay if you're interested because each group is capped at 16 people or less in order to make a small, intimate group atmosphere. Thanks so much for your time. And I can't wait to get started with the next groups. And I can't wait for those of you who are interested in the self-paced option to go ahead and join that at any time. Bye-bye for now. And like, I don't know, do you, do you often find, bring this back to you and your clients, do you find a lot of them have a lot of anxiety about just getting started? Yeah, I have a, I have a concept that's called, it's not about if it's about when, and I don't mean that in like the, like you were saying, we might go to the Taylor Swift concert and my ankle will break. It's more of like living with chronic illness. There's this idea that somehow we can run our lives and our businesses as if we don't know we're going to have a flare up of some point. Right. 
like my clients will be like stressed out about that. I'm like, but you know, it's going to happen. So why are we, why aren't we making a plan for it? Why aren't we, it's not if it's just about when. So when you like embrace this and this is to your point, it's very much about acceptance. It's very much about acceptance and compassion for yourself in those times that yeah, that happened and you're still okay. And you're still worthy. You're still worthy of this goal that you might have for your life or your business or whatever. And so it's like, I always tell my clients, it's like, okay, so let's stop talking about the what if let's make a plan for the win, because that is something you have control over. I love that. I love that. And I think like, I'm curious, what are some of the other things? Like, what would you say to somebody who's feeling maybe overwhelmed or intimidated, like I want to start a side hustle or, or business. And I I'm worried about, um, X, Y, Z. I don't know. The greatest hits worries, like, um, the greatest hits. There's so many though, Cheryl. Well, I I loved, I, one of mine was that, well, someone's already thought of it. Like someone's Mm. already doing it, Yeah, you know, but yeah, there's always someone doing something, but no one is you. Like nobody is you. This is something I talk to my clients about. It's actually, my whole framework is called the real you. It's all about you being the most authentic you that you can be. And that is the most valuable piece of your business, your marketing, your relationships is you. And if you stop fighting the you, the real you, the real authentic deep down you that you embrace and you learn to love and have self-compassion for the less you're going to worry about other people doing what you do because you realize that there is not another you. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, it's like the world needs more than one person doing each Mm. job anyway, right? Like there's, you're going to have a unique, you know, point of view as a chronic illness business coach, you know, than somebody else who has maybe a different, even if they had fibro and endo, they have a different Mm -hmm. life experience. Maybe they're a different age, different, you know, um, you know, region, geographic, there's so many things. Yeah. And, and to the, to, to our, to point that we said earlier, like our brain does not know, like it, it cannot fathom what it would actually look like if we were able to work with every single soul Mm. that we want to work with. Like it can't even get to that concept. So we're worried about something that our brain can even conceptualize of working with like billions of people who are doing like, that's not even how our brain is working. So like, if we embrace, like, I only, I only want to help who I'm meant to help, which isn't everybody, right? It's not everybody. It's the people you're meant to help. And they're meant to be drawn to you because of you. Like, Mm -hmm all of the nuances of you. And I think for me, for my clients too, the thing that we work on the most is that we can't, we can't, we can't deal with everyone else's thoughts. Right. We just really can't like drive yourself. (laughs) I've tried. You'll drive yourself very, very, very quickly. So like, if you focus on what you believe, I truly believe that once you, once you accept your thoughts and start working on your thoughts, what other people think of you won't hurt. Mm. It almost reminds me of like that quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, like no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. 
Yeah. Well, I, I love that quote, but I also think the quote is kind of incomplete because I think that unless you think you're inferior, that's the only way that they can make you feel inferior. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That, yeah. That, that, what, because if I feel that way, like I think about this too in my journey, like if I, when I first started going down this journey, I did not like my body. So if someone talked about my body or someone had any, like, even if they had positive things to say about my body, I would turn around and beat myself up about that positive thing about my body, how it's not good enough, how it doesn't measure and how it doesn't all these things. But the moment I accepted my body, everything everyone, everything everyone else said became more neutral. I could receive it. I could acknowledge it. I could not have like all of these feelings about it because I was confident in what I believed about my body. No one else could affect that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, lo- I like that's bringing it all the way back to the, the beginning. And I think it's so hard. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, when you feel that there's almost like, I think sometimes the metaphor people have used is like an internal fight, like with an mm-hmm. autoimmune disease, it's like my immune system the whole job of your immune system is to fight like yeah. foreign invaders, right? Virus, yeah. bacteria, like bad stuff. I want it to fight, but then it accidentally is fighting against my own tissues. Mm. And it's hard not to feel like angry at your body in those moments. Yeah. But sometimes I imagine, I forget who gave me this idea initially, but um, that like my, my immune cells are just like, they're like, oh yeah, it was someone in one of my support groups. And they were like, it's like a, t- your immune systems are kind of like a toddler. That's just like, you know, they're doing the best they can. And like, mm-hmm. they're missing the mark a little bit, but like, you can look at them with this compassionate lens mm. versus, and you can be a little bit annoyed. Like, yeah. Like I'm slightly, yeah. but also like, you know, I'm, I'm going to nurture you and, and, um, and be compassionate. I love that you use the word compassion. That's like one of the that's, I think one of the most helpful frameworks is like self-compassion, you know, and just saying, okay, this is what it is. Yeah. There was this, um, I can't remember where I read this and I keep thinking about it, but I read this thing about these babies that were born premature and at the hospital, they would have them all lined up and at, at the night, like the night nurses and things like that, that would come in and the cleaning people that would come in. Um, it, it was like weird to the, the whole hospital, like only the, only the child at the very end really did well. Right. And the reason why was because that baby was picked up by everyone at the, at, at any time during that time, like they, always shown love, always shown that compassion, always shown. So thinking about our body in the context of that is something that I've kind of gravitated to of like, even though it is to your point, like a toddler and it doesn't know what it's doing. The more I love on it is the better it will learn how to do its job than me hating it. My coach also says, one of my coaches, I love her to death. She's like, you cannot fix what you hate. Mm. Right? (laughs) love and compassion is the thing that helps you to like really like nothing really great in the in a in a sense of like the the toxic negativeness really solves anything (laughs) it just creates more issues (laughs) but that self-compassion and that love and that just understanding and like 
also truth of like, yeah, I'm annoyed, surrounded by all that love and compassion allows us to heal, to like take another step, to see more clearly of what we might need to do to find more balance within our bodies and what we're going through versus like red. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. It reminds me a little bit of the movie Inside Out where it's like Mm -hmm. she wants to just feel joy Mm -hmm. and she learns like you kind of have to, you know, all the feelings are okay and they're Mm -hmm. all invited and we can't just force ourselves to feel one way. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So good. You use the word heal and I want to make sure I want to, I'm very fascinated by the word heal and like it means so many different things to different people. Like what does healing mean to you? So I too have a very complicated relationship with that word heal. And I have to like ground myself when I see other people use it because I don't know what they mean when they use it. Um, I know when I use it, I mean that you have come to a relative sense of peace of mind with acceptance of where you are, where you're going, what has happened, right? And I say that because I literally can say, like, if I take who I am today, I still have, you know, I still have fibro. I still have all of these chronic illnesses, but I feel very much healed in who I am living with this versus 15 years ago, me, who literally had this, I don't think I would be here Mm. if I weren't on this journey of healing who I have accepted that I am, right? So for me, it's very much, it's probably more of an emotional, mental healing of like this come to. And I also do truly believe that my mind has a lot to do with how I'm able to cope with my pain and how bad my pain can get, right? I have definitely seen when I'm in a negative spot, that pain is a whole different kind of level of pain. (laughs) Oh, so true. So different. Right. And so that's what I feel like healing to me is really is about that love and who I am versus who I'm not. I I love that. And I, I know, I know what you mean about when you see the word, it can definitely mean different things to different people. It's very like subjectively defined, but I remember someone else I had in the podcast, I asked her what she, how, she thought of it because she had used it as well. And she said, the root word means of healing is to be made whole. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's such a, like to see yourself as whole and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and worthy as you are exactly as you are with your illness is not like, I'm a perfect whole person with this like little backpack I'm carrying. That's like these terrible chronic illnesses that it's like mm-hmm. my burden to bear, you know, it is, a, mm-hmm. it is a burden to be like real talk, you know, but it's also mm-hmm. It is part of you. No one's perfect. Is there anyone out there who's like, I have achieved, well, there are people who say I have achieved. (laughs) Maybe they have, maybe there's a few people out there and they're lucky ones and, you know, yay for you. But the majority of people have some challenge, you know, being able to see yourself as whole is a beautiful thing, I think. Yes, absolutely. Oh, and well, and this is so, this has gone by so fast. I'm like, I'm aware of the time, but I'm also like, no way that can't be right. <laughs> so, but well, it's time to get to the rapid fire. Um, what are some, do you have kind of a, you know, words of wisdom or, you know, what do you like to say to people who are newly diagnosed, who are in that kind of like 
overwhelmed state. Is there anything? I know it's hard. I have a hard time answering this question too. I just love hearing other people's answers. Um, my answer when I saw that question is like, my answer is to find your center, learn what your center is, um, learn how to step away and be with whatever it is that you have been told or given or knowing, like just write it down, jot it down, scream it out, dance it out. I don't know what you're going to do, but like process it. I think that's the hardest thing to do, but it's also the most freeing thing to do. Mm. That's almost like an antidote to denial. Cause I think denial is so many people's first step. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's natural. I mean, that's a very natural thing. I'm not going to like say, oh, no, this is what I never, I never experienced denial before. Like that's totally not true. <laughs> I'm just saying, looking back, I can say now, like, even with my newest diagnosis with this Hashimoto's, I did not experience it the way I experienced like my first two diagnoses with endo and fibromyalgia. It was much more of a like, okay, this is what it is. I hate this. I, all of these things instead of denial. But if it's your first thing, you will go through the, the, the stages of grief a lot harder, but give yourself compassion for that. That's normal. Like everyone does. Yeah. Yeah. When you learn these coping tools, it's hard not to then beat yourself up in the, like the past you be like, oh, yeah. you should have known this, you know, that you would have, mm-hmm. could have saved yourself so much, you know, angst, but it's like, it is what it is. It's so funny. You say that I work with my clients. I do something, you know, they go, um, inner child work, Yeah, you know? yeah. but I do inner baby chronic illness. You work. Like I work with my clients doing that because like me, like you have to give yourself like forgiveness for the things you probably said or did to yourself. Cause if you hold on to that, that's not going to serve you in any way, shape or form right now. So mm-hmm. definitely very I true. Very real. That. Baby chronic illness. You, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I know if you go back, I actually did with the therapist, a therapist led me briefly through a intervention. I think it's called like lifespan integration. And it's really interesting. I hadn't heard of it before, but where you like do like these really intense visualizations of going back, like the you now goes back, like you close your mind and you, they lead you through this like guided visualization where you then go back and like talk to yourself mm. at the age you were at, at different times. So I mean, it is, I guess, maybe a way mm. of similar to like inner child stuff, but um, it was like, she had me go back and it was so like unexpectedly emotional, but she had me go back and like talk to myself, you know, when mm. I was at kind of like a rock bottom point and it was really really um helpful just to do it in a compassionate way not like in a yeah 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 yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite arthritis uh related or maybe just chronic pain gadget or tool in your toolbox so pilates so the reason why i said this i know it's not like like a physical tool but I have for years, even after I had my surgery in my knee, I could not find an exercise that I could physically do that was low, actually truly low impact that felt good and didn't like throw me into like the most extratensial kind of flare. And Pilates, as much as days like today that I went this morning, hated going, (laughs) I loved doing it and I love how I feel after it and then it's the soft to me it's the softest 
way of moving your body. It's like stretch and strengthen and you take your time, you go at your pace. There's no one rushing you. Like it's just one of my favorite tools. Um, if you haven't ever done it, I definitely recommend giving it a try. Um, they're also very body aware. So like your instructors are very body aware. They're very, they pay a lot of attention on how you interact with your body and so that you're not creating pain. So that would be my tool. It has helped me come to a point that I can go downstairs better. I can, you know, walk longer um, without my knee bothering me, all those different kind of things. So that's my tool. Pilates. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I want to try it sometime for some reason. I've done like yoga, but not Pilates. I've done like dance classes, but not. Yeah. So I've, it's kind of I skipped over Pilates somehow. Um, do you have a favorite? I always love pe people's like book or movie or TV show recommendations. Um, oh my gosh, what is mine right now? What were we just finishing watching? Oh, is it cake on Netflix? We just finished oh. watching the second season. It was awesome. My God. <laughs> Nailed it. It's like my my favorite show. But like I haven't. Oh, yeah. 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 Is it cake? It's really good. It's it's also very funny because it's just, I mean, it's called Is It Cake? <laughs> well, they make things right. They uh present items that you don't know whether it's made out of cake or it's like metal right, right? Or yeah whatever. yeah it also cracks me up that they're giving like half a million like a half like a like six figures like a hundred and thousand dollars for like winning this stuff and I'm like can you please give that to the uh, chronic illness community because we could use that you're just making cake and then cutting it and throwing it on the floor at the end of the <laughs> I know oh my gosh and I we were watching Survivor and I was like um there's always like often people who get like hurt or injured on survivor, but I was like, there needs to be like a chronic illness survivor, you know, <laughs> I was like, that'd be so interesting. Anyway, uh, do you have a favorite like mantra or inspirational saying or affirmation? Do what you can when you can. Oh, I love that. It's deceptively simple. <laughs> yes. It's, and it's also something hard to, to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like there, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Sorry, I'm not going to go on a tangent. Um, what is something that's bring bringing you joy right now? We have a dog, and I and we have a. I wasn't a dog person, so I have. She's a pandemic dog, mm -hmm. and I grew up with cats, and so every day, me and my husband like try to count how often we say she's so cute. Yeah. Oh we yeah. Can't, have... We can't, we can't even, oh my gosh. Hey baby. Hey baby. Oh. <laughs> oh. We, I can't, I can't count how many times a day we say you're so cute as much as she's stubborn. She brings me joy every day. I was just praying about her thinking for her, oh. <laughs> thinking for her today. That's so sweet. This is Teddy. He was 2019. Oh, yeah. Oh. But has been the best support through the pandemic. He's the real He's a little, basically, we call him like a living, a living stuffed animal. Like, he's, <laughs> like he's, a little lap dog. he's a little lap dog. He's not super energetic, but he's always up for going on a walk. If you want or like a little hike, Aww, he loves my so lips. Cute. I was trying to, to, to lick my lips. Um, um, definitely send me pictures of your dog. I love dog pictures. I will definitely. There's <laughs> and, lots of them. <laughs> um, and now I know we're, uh, at the very end what does it mean to you to live a good life and thrive with chronic illness? Ah, uh, what does, what does it mean? Um, 
power. I feel like I have so many tools. I never at this point in my journey, there was a time in my journey where I never felt like I had any options. I felt stuck. I used to talk, I talk a lot about this in my episode on my podcast. I hate the feeling of stuck. And now I realize that oftentimes if I am feeling stuck, I'm choosing to be. And that's powerful for me. Like to know that I have so many resources and tools to help me not be stuck because now I know of options and resources and people and community that I just didn't have before. That is what enables me to thrive. Love that. I love that. Getting, getting unstuck or finding ways around the feeling of feeling stuck. Yeah. I love it. Um, is there anything else you want to share before you wrap up? No, this was so much fun. I enjoyed this. Thank you for having yeah. me. Oh, thank you so much for making the time. And I know that even people like us who, you know, talk a lot about our journeys and stuff, it still takes, I always want to like acknowledge the emotional labor mm. it takes to revisit. Yeah. And so thank you yeah. um, for, for sharing, you know, your personal story and then your tips with the community and where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me at Thrive with Nikita. And my podcast is Crafted to Thrive. It's mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs with chronic illness. We're actually relaunching in August. Oh, um, you will probably be hearing this at some point, but it'll be new, a little bit of updated. So excited, finally realigning. I don't even say pivoting. It's just like we're aligning the show a bit more around all of the amazing entrepreneurs in the world who are living with chronic illness and building their dreams. That's wonderful. And you're also on Instagram and I'm putting all her links in the, in the show notes, which the small version of show notes is like, should be visible in your podcast player, but the longer version is always on the website. Um, arthritis.theenthusiasticlife.com. So that was the name I got in 2010 when I first started a blog. I got the URL theenthusiasticlife.com. And I'm like, wow, that that I'm I'm glad I got that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I love it. But then it's I just so added arthritis as like a subdomain. Anyway, thankfully I have a lot of friends in tech that helped me. But um, but but yeah, I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that I also put I I I hadn't I haven't been mentioning this enough that I also have for those of you who have maybe people in your life who don't like podcasts or don't want to listen, they can read a transcript on the, mm. on the website. And I was like, why was I starting to talk about my website? website? And then um, the, uh, a video of this will be on YouTube. Um, so anyway, thank you so much again. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing your new, your rebranding and everything in August. And I hope you have a good rest of your week. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Arthritis Life Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, an educational program I created from scratch to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported, and connected in a matter of weeks. You can go through the pre-recorded course on your own, or you can take the course along with a support group. Learn more at the link in my show notes, or you can always go to www.myarthritislife.net. And if you like this podcast, I would be so honored if you took the time to rate and review it. I also encourage you to share it with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I also wanted to remind you that you can find full transcripts, videos, and detailed show notes with hyperlinks for each episode on my website, www.myarthritislife.net. 
If you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you want to share your story or wisdom on the podcast, just shoot me an email at info at myarthritislife.net. I can't wait to hear from you.